What a difference a day made Twenty-four little hours What the sun and the flowers Now, I'll be honest, I wish there was a song that said what a difference a year makes, and maybe there is one. I just didn't take the time to try and find it, so this one will do. Welcome, everyone, to the Monday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I am your host, as always, Tyler Crawley, and the reason I played that song is because I read a fascinating piece this weekend in the Wall Street Journal looking at the current state of the housing market, and as we know nationally, we have seen signs of cooling. The market is cooling. Not everywhere. As we all know, in North Carolina, the market's still pretty hot, especially if you're in Raleigh or Charlotte. And even here in Wilmington, things are still pretty crazy. Still good luck finding inventory. But nationally, we are seeing a cooling. And it's interesting because a year ago, there was a piece in the Wall Street Journal, May of 2021, The housing market was on fire. Remember the summer of 2021? And I would actually argue that the housing market we just experienced, the beginning of 2022, was actually probably crazier than what we saw in the mid or what we saw in the summer of 2021. But at that time, (laughs) we thought the housing market was going to be slowing by now uh, or by the start of 2022. At that time, that was the craziest market we had seen since the mid 2000s. So a lot of comparisons were made and one of them was in the Wall Street Journal. There was a piece by Candace Taylor who said that what was interesting about the mid 2021 housing craziness was that unlike in the mid 2000s in which you only saw certain markets benefiting from the hot housing market, this was impacting a lot more housing markets across the country. Everyone seemed to be benefiting. Taylor wrote in the journal, quote, bidding wars have spread from such high profile locations as Palm Beach, Florida, and the suburbs outside of New York City to smaller cities and towns, including long neglected locales where properties typically sat on the markets for or or sat on the market for months. Jonathan Campbell, vice president of DLP Realty in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, told the Wall Street Journal, quote, if you're a buyer, this is the most frustrating time. The local market, he said, is outpacing the mid-2000s boom. And we've heard about places like Des Moines, Iowa. We've heard about a lot of smaller towns in the West where people have left California and and they're driving up the prices. And we were hearing how this was creating havoc. And that was the whole purpose of that piece by Candace Taylor was talking about these smaller housing markets who are being impacted by big city buyers, investors, and everyone else. So that was just over a year ago. I mean, almost exactly a year ago, to be honest, because we just are in June of 2022. Well, here's what's interesting. So there was a piece this weekend in the Wall Street Journal that was looking at housing markets across the country 
and the tune has changed, as they say. <laughs> Nicole Friedman and Ben Eisen writes that in 477 cities, the typical home value at the end of April was below peak levels from the early 2000s. They wrote, the current boom has been unusually widespread, but in places like Detroit, a typical home was valued at $66,015 at the end of April, below the city's August 2006 peak of just over 74,000. And in Chicago, the typical home value of 315,000 in April sits just above the city's March 2007 peak of $314,900. Friedman and Eisen point out that homeowners who bought in these cities during the last peak still would be unlikely to sell for a profit today, especially when adjusted for inflation. And so it's very fascinating that a year ago we were hearing about how everyone was benefiting benefiting from the boom and it was wreaking havoc on a lot of these towns. And now here we are a year later and we're hearing that, well, actually some towns did not get back to their mid 2000 peak. And, you know, some of the towns that they mentioned, like Detroit and Chicago, you know, bigger cities where we've seen people in this work from home revolution leaving these higher cost big city areas. Not that Detroit's like a high cost area with a home of $74,000. That would not be high cost. But Chicago leaving and going somewhere where their dollar stretches even further, especially now with what's going on with inflation. So as I continue to say, national numbers can be misleading, especially when you have the coasts who really are wreaking havoc on a lot of this housing data because these markets are so hot. I mean, especially in California where just lack of inventory is skyrocketing prices. And then here in the Carolinas, I mean, we've talked about the South region where they are, I mean, the amount of building that's going on is insane, but it still can't keep up with demand. Always remember, all not all politics is local, all real estate is local. That's my little twist there on that famous Tip O'Neill quote. And it's true because, sure, some places we have surpassed the mid-2000s peak, but we have not in some places like Detroit and Chicago. And so it's just kind of fascinating to me that, and I'm not like, taking shots at the Wall Street Journal saying, oh, they were wrong then or they're wrong now. I'm just pointing out that it's interesting the way that we look at the housing market. So back a year ago, there was a concern that in some towns they were being priced out by people moving into these towns and jacking up the prices. And now we're hearing articles about, well, there's actually still places where they did not see home prices get back to that mid 2000s peak. And I think it's that's one of the weird things about housing. We've talked about this here on the podcast time and time again, and we will continue to talk about it, is that housing in a lot of cases is zero sum, where something that's good for buyers is not good for sellers. Something that's good for sellers is not good for buyers, plain and simple. So if you're someone that's looking to buy Detroit and Chicago, good place <laughs> with regards to what's happening elsewhere. But if you're a seller there, yeah, it sucks. Especially if you bought like in 2005, 2006, you still haven't got your full investment back. So once again, all real estate is local. It depends on where you are. Um, And I did want to talk about the economy overall, because those are the numbers that we, we tend to look at. And on Friday, we got some jobs data. 
And it was very surprising. So if you remember earlier last week, we got the ADP private payroll numbers. Those came out on Thursday. Disappointing, just over 100,000 jobs created way less than they were expecting around 320,000, I think is what they were projecting. And so everyone said, okay, here it is. You know, here's this recession that we're hearing about. Here's the slowdown. It's finally happening. Well, the ADP numbers are not looked at with the same gravitas that we look at the monthly jobs report. And the monthly jobs report not only met expectations, they surpassed expectations. And the takeaway that I saw was what recession? (laughs) That was what I saw a lot of economists talking about on Twitter. So the report came out on Friday looking at the May unemployment data and total non-farm payroll rose 390,000 at the end of May. And the unemployment rate was 3.6%. Economists had projected only 328,000 jobs. So like I said, they not only met expectations, they surpassed them. And looking at the overall state of the economy, employment is now only down 822,000 jobs from its pre-pandemic levels in February of 2020. So if we get two more reports like this, which I don't think anyone is projecting, we'll be back to almost full employment as to where we were before the pandemic hit. <laughs> it's just, it's nuts. Uh, where were the jobs created? Well, of course, leisure and hospitality continue to lead the way. 84,000 jobs created in May, followed by professional and business services, created 75,000, followed by transportation and warehousing, up 47,000, and then construction, like to see that, especially because the ADP report, I think, had construction losing 2,000 jobs. This report had construction along with state government creating 36,000 jobs in the month of May. That's good because here in the South, we need people building homes. <laughs> Plain and simple. Well, we didn't everywhere, but especially here in the South. Payroll numbers were revised downward for March by about 30,000, but upward in April by about 8,000. So nothing too big there on the revisions. And wages, of course, is a big conversation. They continue to stall, which is weird because we have this full employment. We're still creating these jobs, tight labor market, and yet wages really aren't jumping by what you'd think you'd be seeing right now. Uh, Average hourly earnings were up 0.3%, 5.2% year over year, and average weekly earnings We're also up 0.3% and only up 4.3% year over year, which is big because while wages did match the CPI data, the uh, consumer price index data from May, prices were only up 0.3% month over month, well short in the year over year total. CPI, if you remember, was 8.3%. And so here we are looking at best case scenario 5.2, wages are far behind what is happening with prices. So that is something that obviously politicians are going to have to try and uh, explain and talk about. But here was the big takeaway from what I saw from most economists uh, and finance reporters and journalists is they were like, what recession? So Connor sent on Twitter said 1.2 million jobs created in the last three months This isn't anything close to a recession. And Joe Weisenthal of Bloomberg said, this doesn't look like we're in a recession. And so, (laughs) I mean, it's true, right? I mean, we keep hearing about how we're in a recession. And let's face it, first quarter, 
was down, what, about 1.5%, somewhere along those lines. Two quarters in uh, the red mean you're in a recession. A lot of people think that we could be seeing that again in Q2, putting us in a economic definition of a recession. But a lot of this data doesn't show that. I mean, we're still seeing prices going up. Consumer spending is going up. uh, Jobs are still being created. We still have a very tight labor market. Where's the data that's showing that we're in a recession? I mean, if we're in a recession, we should be seeing job losses. We should be seeing prices drop or at least consumer spending drop. I mean, you can have a slowing economy and prices going up. That's the ugly S word stagflation. But what we're seeing right now is consumer spending continues to go up. Jobs continue to be created. And we're still seeing a little bit of wage growth. And so it does not appear in the data that we are in a recession. Now, it doesn't mean that the economy is not bad for some people. You look at what's happening with gas prices and just prices overall, people aren't happy with what's happening with the economy. That's very obvious. But that was the big takeaway that I saw as everyone's just like, what recession? What? Where, where is the data? It's just crazy. It's kind of like right before the recession hit, everyone was expecting there to be a bad jobs report. Obviously, we saw one when, when the pandemic hit and the lockdowns took place. But it was every month. It was like under the Trump administration. It was just hundred thousand. It was like two hundred thousand jobs, two hundred thousand jobs, three hundred thousand jobs, and everyone was expecting this a report to be bad. We never got one, and so I think a lot of economists just don't know where full employment is because <laughs> we keep hearing that we're close. We're close. I mean, we're 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 less than a million jobs away from where we were before the pandemic, and yet we're still seeing evidence that job growth is happening, and so we will look to next month's job report to see if those are the signs that we've been waiting for. All right, let's see what's happening this week before we go. It's kind of a quiet week. In all honesty, there's not a ton going on. Um, On Tuesday, we're going to be getting the CoreLogic home price index, but you know, that's not like a real big report. It's like the redhead. I would say it's the redheaded stepchild of the Case Shiller index. Uh, We're also on Tuesday going to be getting the trade deficit and consumer credit. That's obviously a big one. That's a sign of a recession. And people start getting credit cards and running credit cards up because they no longer are making the money to pay for things. That could be a sign that we're about to see a slowdown. Uh, Wednesday, we're going to get mortgage demand as we always get. On Thursday, we got jobless claims. And then Friday is a big day. We have a lot happening on Friday. We just mentioned CPI. We're going to be getting May's CPI data on Friday, as well as consumer sentiment and inflation expectations. So we're going to, there's a lot going on. Usually Fridays are, sometimes you have the non-farm payroll, which we just talked about, (laughs) but sometimes Fridays are kind of dull. Not this Friday. So we got a busy Friday and a busy week. Well, somewhat busy week, not a ton of data. It's one of those kind of uh, lesser weeks, but we'll always have a lot to talk about here on markets and mortgages. You guys enjoy the start to your work week. We will see you tomorrow morning for Tuesday's edition of Markets and Mortgages. And remember, as always, do not wait to buy real estate. You buy real estate and wait.